I'm Greg Daller-Coltman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where we have been and are now to where we're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives between those three tiny dots. The goal, the ultimate yeah. goal is to, is to have that happen. And, and especially for our city, I'm really hoping that eventually it isn't news that there's an Indigenous mural or it isn't news that there's a collaboration with an, a First Nations person. That that is part of our city culture, part of our city fabric. And I want that to be the case. And people come to our city and come to Edmonton and they say, oh, you know, that's an Indigenous city. The, the people are celebrated there and the culture is interwoven into the design of the city and the spaces that, you know, that are, are reflective of that. And, and uh, you know, Indigenous people are, are sitting beside, you know, the head of, of all these organizations because they're integrated so nicely. I don't know. I, I love that idea. Deep integration of a city's past and present as they dream forward and design for a collective future. That is one of the many things that is on the mind and in the heart of Lance Cardinal. Lance is a multidisciplinary creative professional and a proud member of the Treaty 8 Big Stone Cree Nation. His family roots stem deep from his small home community of Calling Lake, Alberta. But over the last two decades, Lance has built an impressive catalogue of work as a multi-award winning set designer, sculptural artist, entertainment director, producer, singer, concept artist, theme park designer, choreographer, teacher, photographer, event coordinator, and cultural healer. Lance's enthusiasm is simply put infectious, and his commitment to teaching lives in everything he does. His online presence provides snapshots of the process in process of his mural paintings captured day by day. Through his YouTube series, Indigenous Art Adventures with Lance Cardinal, he's created the platform for his skills as performer, visual artist, and educator to reach through the screens to young people of all ages to introduce or reinforce important learnings in his desire to help bridge the gap of understanding between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians. Whether creating an original shoe design for an iconic local company, a mural to celebrate the science of Indigenous land learnings, or a breathtaking celebration of Turtle Island as the logo for the Edmonton Oilers, Lance remains completely focused in his passion to share deep and reverent knowings through the imagery of his art and the openness of his heart. Following Lance on Facebook alone is a little bit like experiencing a playoff series with Connor McDavid on the ice, end-to-end-to-end action. All of that to say how absolutely thrilled I was to finally catch him at a moment between moments in his very busy schedule. Lance, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Tansi. Hello there, Tansi. I'm so excited to be here today, uh, joining you here in Treaty 6 territory. Uh, happy and honored. So thank you for having me here today. Well, uh, and <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that intro, I think only captures half the speed with which you're working the image of the road runner heading around, uh, your, your home city of, of Edmonton right now. It's certainly there. And I can't even imagine your calendar for the last month. So let's just quickly check in three completed murals. One at TELUS World of Science. Uh, in Edmonton and two schools, uh, Thelma Shalafu in Edmonton and the Memorial Composite uh, uh, mural in Stony Plain. Your commissions over the past year, Ikea Canada, Kunich Shoes, the Edmonton Oilers, and somehow in between all of that, you've continued to pursue opportunities to share your love on stage as a musical theater performer. <laughs> when do you sleep? <laughs> Well, um, you know what? I, I uh, definitely do sleep once in a while, but you know, it's it, I, you know, it's a seven day a week, uh, you know, twenty four hour a day business that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of. It's an incredible journey I'm on right now, and and yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot mm. of work. It's just me. It's passion run. It's run by you know just the the a desire for me to 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 jump really far and fast into this new realm of my life and these important opportunities and and uh and you know just all these chances to share who i am and who our people are it, it is important to me so sleep 
it's way down the list on the level of importance. Uh, you know, there's bigger fish to fry than, than me having a nap. So, <laughs> oh, that time will come, my friend. It will come. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you you brought up the word passion, and the other words that just keep coming through you: creativity, positivity. Um, you know, if people could see your face right now, and it's it's still relatively early on a Friday morning, given that the sleep is, you know, uh, um, limited. Uh, there's just there's joy that I that I sense. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that I that I celebrate as I just from the sidelines get to witness uh, the, the, the journey that you're on is the number of ways in which you continually have and do redefine and and and, and reengage uh, yourself in your life work. Um, you know, your constant source of, of, of invention. And, and, and one of those incarnations is something that I, I picked up on as I've been doing a bit of research called Soul Flame. And I just love the story around Soul Flame. Can you, can you tell, tell me a little bit about that? Well, of course, uh, Soul Flame is the name of my, my business here. And I'm a very proud, uh, you know, First Nations two-spirit business owner here uh, in Edmonton. And, you know, my, my office is located here in Old Strathcona, right in the middle of the Arts District. Couldn't be anywhere uh, better. Uh, so I'm, I'm in this beautiful space here uh, that's full of creativity and, and invention and uh, business. Uh, and it's super exciting. But, you know, uh, what the, the name of the company comes from is something my mom spoke to me about. Uh, I was asking her about the business, and this, this goes back to a conversation I had with my mom, uh, you know, in 2018 when I switched my career direction. I said, I want to start a business, and I want to name it something important. And, uh, you know, for what I want to do to sort of um, reinvigorate our people, to share us in a good way, and to uh, celebrate, you know, uh, new ideas and new perspectives for Indigenous people. And she told me the story about uh, the soul flame. And what's really amazing about this, it's an, an old indigenous story about uh, the beginning of life for us as indigenous people. Uh, so, you know, when we are in the mom's womb and the woman's womb, our, our, our beautiful indigenous women uh, who carry our children for us. And um, when you're in there uh, growing as a, as a baby about to be born, right before you are born and come into the world, the creator will will reach down and put a little spark of life into your into the back of your head and that will br bring life into you as you create uh if you come into the world as a human being and that is your spirit of who you are and i love this idea of uh sparking life and and that's what i wanted to do and that's what i wanted my business to be about and what my career to be about was sparking new ways of of, of thinking of creativity sparking new uh, ways of looking at indigenous people sparking uh, conversations about reconciliation but in a new way an exciting way uh, and also a positive way um, you know it's not an easy task to find your way through um, the jungle of indigenous pain and suffering and sorrow and and segregation and uh, all that negativity to find the beauty not just for people outside of myself but for our own people so that's what soul flame is all about yeah that's lovely and and again so much of that is is outward scent sparking in others what sparks you in this moment what what what's inspiring you <laughs> you know what um on a daily basis things consistently give me inspiration um but you know for me the whole point of this the spark that keeps my fire going my fuel going is is balancing out uh my own personal um, uh, viewpoints of, of myself as an Indigenous person. All the battles I've faced growing up and obstacles and, and perspectives of myself that I didn't like, that for no fault of my own through, you know, the oppression of the world and through uh, the, 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 the way that our people have grown up in our, our reserves and our, our, our homes, you know, that is, which is not our fault. The, the place where we're at right now with through, you know, um, you know, lateral violence and poverty and drugs and and you know uh, all that stuff that we that we battle the, the lack of love the loss of love things like that you know it's finding it in myself to 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 show that it's possible to come through all that in a good way so it sparks me to make sure that kids and young people can see that you can go through all that and still come up on top as a positive person as an inspiration and that you can be one person and you can change your heart and try to repair your heart 
by sharing it with others, you know, and, and even like, you know, um, creating a positive self uh, that doesn't exist, inventing a new you, inventing a new way of thinking about things, because we're all at the same place, uh, you know, um, as Indigenous people, we're, we're building again, we're starting again, and we're finding what that means to be a happy, positive person, even though there's still all that behind us. So the spark is the chance to change the world, to change the view of our people, to inspire positive ways to engage with us, and uh, maybe even to find a way to live side by side in this world, uh, despite our, our cultural differences and our, our, our uh, uh, status in, the, in society's differences. And, and so that's what sparks me, the battle of those people who told me I would not be successful or who told me I wasn't worthy of love or who called me names and, and said that I wouldn't be successful based on where I'm from. Uh, that is the big spark. And uh, once, you know, once we find ways to spark that fire, all we do is bring people around the fire, bring people around that fire and let them see the, feel the warmth, see the light and uh, have a chance to have tea and gently listen to who we are. Yeah. And, and, and how beautiful the generosity of sharing that light is. You could so easily hear within the story you just shared the hurt, the anger, the deep sense of, of, of trauma and pain and turn that into a, I told you so, but I don't sense that. I don't sense anything but love. And it's, it's beautiful. Lance, you, you, you referenced um, this important moment of shift and a conversation you had with your mother and, 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 and the birth of, of a soul flame as, as your business. As I understand, it was around 2018 that there was a significant flip for you. Can you talk to us a little bit about that sense of pre-2018 and, 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 and now? Of course. I mean, you know, it's, it's part of life. We grow, we evolve, we change, we go down a path and we, uh, we think we know where we're going. We create that path and we put it out there and we, we start traveling down it thinking that that is what we want and that is where we're supposed to be. But as we all know, life changes. Uh, opportunity changes, spirit changes. And so for me, you know, I grew up in, in the theater world. I, I came to Edmonton in 1990 with my family who came to get a better education and, and get a post-secondary education because uh, we had no high school in my community. But, you know, Calling Lake is 500 people with no, no facilities at the time in the late 80s, you know, no running water, barely any heat. Um, and so, you know, we came to the city to get educated my, on my, and my entire family moved as a group of Everybody came, all, you know, 13 family members came to live in the city and, and get educated and get an education degree. And what an amazing example that was to begin with, to see uh, my family uh, all get their degrees in education, social work, amazing things. Uh, my, one of my uncles, Mike Cardinal, was the first Indigenous politician. Uh, he was the Minister of Family and Social Services here in Edmonton. And uh, so I had some amazing role models growing up. And so we came to the city in the 90s. And uh, I went to high school here and everyone went home after getting educated. I stayed and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. I want to be, I want to be an artist. And, um, and so I, I pursued a career in theater uh, and art and became a full-time musical theater performer. You know, my first pro professional show while I was still in high school uh, at the Citadel Theater here and, and began my professional career as an actor um, and started doing that. So I pursued my career as a performer. And then in 20, uh, sorry, 1999, I moved to Vancouver. Uh, to keep pursuing my career as a performer and an actor, and I did. I went there um, in 20, uh, 1999, started doing professional theater there, uh, and then slowly I began to do some set design work. Uh, I began transferring back to my art self. My, my original passion in theaters uh, in, in high school was art. Visual art was my primary. And one of my amazing teachers uh, that I now love and cherish, uh, Andrea Truman, uh, she recruited me and said, we need boys singers. And I said, oh, I'm not a singer. I don't sing. I'm terrible at singing. Like, don't even, just forget it. And so she pushed me and pushed me. I quit many, many times. And then she finally, you know, got me to start loving theater and singing. And I became a singer, thanks to her. Um, and I'll always, I'll always value her for that. But I became a musical theater singer. But my original passion was art and design. And so 
as I was doing theater, I found nobody had set designers. Even Vancouver didn't have set designers. And someone asked me one day, would you mind trying to make a set? And I was like, well, of course I can do it. I can do, I can do set design. Why, why not? So I went to the public library at the time and took out every single book there was on set design and took them home and read it and was like, oh, my God, I got to be a set designer. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I got to figure this out. And, I, and that's what I'm most strong at. I, I can, I can, I can, you know, I can figure things out. I can be resilient. That's my indigenous side. That is the, my ancestors helping me figure that out, which I didn't know at the time. Mm. Um, I wasn't connected that time, but I, you know, I thought I was just very, very lucky. Uh, but you know, I had lots of people supporting me, uh, you know, behind me that I didn't even know were there. But so I started doing more the, uh, set design, and I it began to get more jobs as a set designer, and and eventually, you know, uh, through just just conversations, I began to do full-time professional set design in Vancouver. And uh, it was amazing. I got to be an artist and design work. Plus, as an actor, I knew what stages needed. I knew what the, the director would want before he even asked me. So I you know, quickly moved up very quickly in the professional theater scene as a set designer. Um, started winning all the awards and uh, really like it was at the top of my game, you know, best set designer in Vancouver, you know, and that was amazing for me coming from Calling Lake, a little town and being the top of something in the world was amazing to me, uh, especially in that beautiful city. And um, so then uh, there I was, it was I was 38 ish, 39 uh, at the top of my game in Vancouver, winning the awards, you know, in that theater scene, you know, everything was going great. And um, but then. I just was like, one day I thought to myself, what is the end game for me here? Mm. What, what am I moving towards? What is this? What is the final goal here? What am I, what am I, who am I working towards? Who am I working for? And then I realized really, really, really quite quickly, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm not even acknowledging my indigenous self here. I wasn't an indigenous set designer in Vancouver. I wasn't an indigenous performer. I was just a designer. And so I went to Emily Carr for a little bit and I thought, I'll go to, I'll go to Emily Carr University and take the Indigenous uh, design program and see if that'll sort of help me uh, get into more of an Indigenous way of thinking. Um, you know, at, at that point, I started getting some viral moments online for some miniature work I was doing. And again, very much more success, but without that Indigenous element. Again, I was in a West Coast uh, art school that wanted me to do weaving and totem poles, which wasn't my thing. So I, again, so I, I, as an, even as an artist there, and even I started doing, um, started doing gallery work after I graduated, started doing sculpture, which was my, my primary sculpture and illustration. I was doing gallery shows and all my work was anti West coast art gallery. It was, it was wow. against what that expectation was for me. And I think that that worked again, informed myself, I think you're fighting, if you're fighting what you're doing here. And mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, what are you going to do? And then I just one day decided. I'm packing it up. That's it. I'm sorry, Vancouver. I'm I'm saying goodbye. I'm going to go home to Calling Lake and reconnect and figure out what the next phase of my life is going to be and why I've pushed myself so hard. And I know why I did, you know, that that uh, proving that we can be successful, proving that I'm not that, you know, dirty little uh, gay native kid from Calling Lake with no no chance. And, uh, and I and I fought that all my life. That's what guided my success. And that was all it was. That's all I had there was that that push to prove those bullies wrong and those people who told us we weren't good enough. Uh, and that that was great. It fueled me great. I got where I wanted to be. But in reality, it wasn't the right push of my energy. It was wrong. It was misguided in my, in my thoughts. So 2014, I said goodbye to Vancouver, moved back to Calling Lake. And that's uh, where my life changed completely again, back to my home community, back to my land where our family grew up, the property that I inherited from my mom, who gave it to me, who was given it to, by the grandfather, my grandfather, Joseph Cardinal, who, who, who pioneered and who found that land and claimed it for us as a family. And then I got that land. So I moved there with nothing, zero. I, I had nothing. And I went to this blank piece of property. I, I bought a fifth wheel for myself and I said, I'm gonna live here and I'm gonna open a, a school for the indigenous arts for the, for the kids of my community. And I'm gonna give back to, to, this, to my hometown. And I did, I opened a school, uh, you know, Calling Lake Arts Academy and I taught drama, theater, art, all that stuff. It was really, really cool. And uh, plus I worked for the community as in the municipality. I was the event coordinator. I did all the public events 
I remodeled and redecorated a lot of the main buildings in the town, uh, you know, but, but more importantly, and most importantly, I went back to ceremony. I went back to, um, you know, talking to my elders, going to ceremony, uh, even just, um, you know, I went through a really important naming ceremony with my community. It's in a beautiful moment where, you know, through the guidance of our, our spiritual leaders, the whole community comes together and they surround you and they give you love and positivity and, and give you a name based on who you are. And that was an amazing moment for me. And so I saw that culture again. I was told, you know, through ceremony what my intentions were. But also I saw that we were still broken. I left Colin Lake in the 80s and it was the same. You know, we had a beautiful million dollar rec center, gorgeous new facilities in the place, an eight-doored eight, eight, uh, fire hall. You know, all this money was brought into our community, but it wasn't what we needed. I could see it. I could still see the same people I knew were still in poverty. And, and people were now into, you know, worse problems. We had uh, lateral violence was rampant because we were fighting this idea of this westernized way of managing ourselves that wasn't our way. Uh, I saw, you know, that, we're, that the drugs are worse. The meth problem is extremely bad. And people are lost and don't feel confident. And our parents can't parent because they don't know how to love because their grandparents who went to residential school didn't have that ability and didn't share and didn't show it and didn't know how. And there's a disconnect. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, I'm, this is, you know, I've gone to good places. I've gone a great path for myself, but my people haven't. And I don't, I didn't like it. I, I was like, oh my gosh, I know we, we are not a healed people. We are absolutely still broken after the reconciliation movement, after the, you know, residential school money was paid out after all of that. And still, we're still the same place, you know, in a lot of ways. And I see it. And, you know, it doesn't matter what that TRC report says. It doesn't matter what that money, that bill of sale shows that they gave us or the time frame that they did land acknowledgements that were required. All that didn't matter because in the end, it's ourselves. Our spirit is still broken. Our cultural confidence is, is lost and is slowly being built by some amazing people. Uh, but for me, you know, I had to be like, okay, you know, you're here in Calling Lake, you're doing great things, you're, you're, but you know, I think maybe, maybe it's time for you to go back to the city and bring some of this energy and knowledge you have now to try to break all that. And the best place to do it is in the city, in my opinion. Uh, there's beautiful people working in community who are counselors, spiritual guides, uh, you know, educators who are in Calling Lake doing beautiful, amazing work. My work is heart work. It's of the heart, of the spirit. And, I, and as an artist, you know, I was told by one of my elders who took me for a drive one day in a quad through the forest. And he took me for a drive out to the middle of the forest. And, and, uh, and he pulled over and we had a conversation for a while. And he was talking about the two spirit people. And I thought that was a fascinating thing that he brought up himself because it's a, a, a very sensitive conversation still. It's still not... Um, you know, a fun conversation in small towns to talk about two-spirit or LGBTQ2S plus uh, topics. So, you know, he reminded me that we are traditionally, um, you know, we look to our, our two-spirit people traditionally as the healers. They were mm. revered as the medicine people. They lived in, their, in the medicine people's area. They were the highest level of community members. Uh, and so I was reminded of that and that my spirit as a healer is important. And that the art that I do is probably what that vessel is for. And that I should look at that vessel. And that is what I've been given as a gift of healing. That I should use that gift. You know, because for a long time I thought, well, I'm not a healer. I don't know ceremony. I'm not a pipe holder. You know, I don't, I'm, not, how am I gonna, I'm not a healer, so I'm not. But I was told and reminded that, yes, I am. And that I have to, you know, find a way to make, to, to in, engage in that. And I was like, wow, thank you. Thank you for that permission from my, my spiritual leaders. Thank you for that. That was amazing. But, you know, it didn't take all that. It took mom to really seal it away from me and say, you know, for me to go back to it. And I said to her, listen, you know, I think I want to go to the city. I think I'm going to I'm going to move out of Calling Lake. And I'm going to leave the, the, the land behind. and I'm going to go, you know, make a difference and try to change the world, you know, in, in Edmonton because it needs it. You know, coming from Vancouver, where indigenous culture is sewn into the culture of the city, 
the branding of the city is indigenous. West Coast culture is, is, has uplifted that city. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's what I wanted Edmonton to be like. I thought that's what we need. Um, and so my mom said to me, all right, you know, go and do that. Go pursue that. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to supposed to do here. And she said, well, you know what you need to do? First thing you need to do is always remember the land you're from. Base everything you're doing on that conversation with, okay, what is the land going to tell you about that? But most of all, she said for me to trust the path the creator has made for me. And that was revolutionary for my mind. Incredible. To, to trust that path. I said, yeah. okay, so what do I do? How do you do that, mom? I don't understand. She goes, you pray and you ask and you say, creator, please, you know, I want to make a difference. I want this in my life. I want to, I want to use my art to help heal people. I want to have a career that will be beneficial to me and my people and heal me and, and share who we are in a good way. Pray for it. Ask for it. And then it happened. <laughs> so I moved to Edmonton and, and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring all this good energy here. And, uh, and that's how I began my, my journey in, in, in the city of Edmonton. So I just want to stop in here because there are words that just deserve to be held a bit longer. You talk about ceremony and I, and I, you know, I, I see you bringing ceremony in, in its most formal sense, its most beautiful and heart community sense. I'm also hearing the ceremony, the power of ceremony in a simple conversation with your elder in the woods, with your mother, with your own self I'm hearing the the sense of of your willingness to ask the questions that deserve to be asked, whether it was back in in Vancouver when it was the questions around purpose and place and person that had that had to, had to be asked that so many of us need to ask but don't choose not to go along with everything seems to be good. I'll put up with all of the the tougher stuff. I just love that you that you had the had the courage, the tenacity to say, "This doesn't feel right. I need to find something that does and really land that." And that brings us to that word trust. Right? It's such a powerful word, but I love the way you acknowledge that we use it. But that doesn't necessarily mean we fully understand it until we let ourselves, to, you know, bridge that understanding, connect to. You can't trust until you let go of what you know. And so here, here, here you are in in the city doing exactly what, you know, what 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 all the signs were telling you was yours to do. And uh, you know, so. A couple of days ago, Lance, uh, I, you know, I, I, you completed a mural at at, uh, at the Telus World Science in Edmonton, and you just spoke of knowing the land, speaking of the land, acknowledging and, and connecting to. And the central image in that painting is the beaver, uh, which, as I understand it, acknowledges Edmonton's history as Beaver Hill House um, and the history of what that what that means to to indigenous people, as well as all of the settlers, um, what, you know, whether, whether any of us were there or not, that it's a central piece of what the history of that city is. And you also acknowledge the importance of the beaver as one of the seven sacred grandfather teachings, wisdom. So what, what else can you tell me about the piece itself, its importance to you and how it emerged? Well, you know, this is one of those, another amazing, uh, moments and opportunities that have come upon me to, um, to re reinvent uh, how we are presented here in our city, um, mm-hmm. and this wasn't another opportunity to do a, a land acknowledgement, which is something that is really changing right now. It's it's this you know a new generation of land acknowledgement and and tell us world of science. Of course, they wanted to in their brand new beautiful space have um, you know indigenous content as part of that land acknowledgement. They didn't really know what that meant. They want you know they wanted something visual. And, and uh, so they approached me about this idea of, of, of a land acknowledgement that would be a piece of art. And I love that. I love that idea. I think that's brilliant because, you know, land acknowledgements don't have to always be um, here's who was here. Here's what happened on it. You know, it, it can just be um, showing what the land is about, why it was important, why was the land important. 
And, uh, and in this image we see uh, in this Amskuchi um, Waskahigan, which is uh, Beaver Hills House or Beaver Hills Lodge or Beaver Hills Place, um, is, uh, is showing that what was important for this land. And for us, it's that, um, it's that interaction with it. Uh, it's, it's living and learning off of it as Indigenous people. And uh, mm. the wisdom that, that, we, that we learn from the land that comes from those science of that land-based teaching, that is, is part of what's important, uh, even especially at this tell us world of science, or it's all about the science of, of modern technology, the, the science of, of splitting atoms, you know, all those kind of, of amazing things. But for us, you know, I'm always looking for a chance to, to show what hasn't been shown before to balance out what is already there with what we are and to share, you know, another perspective of our people that is missing to me mm. is that, that the spirit of who we are, and, and that's not just for non-Indigenous community, that's for ourselves as well. You know, we're still figuring that out and, you know, and, and uh, trying to um, celebrate that for ourselves again. Yeah. The spirit so as you... As you completed that painting, you know, paint still wet on the wall and, and visible on your fingertips, <laughs> uh, you share a post, a video post that captures your feelings at this moment. I, I just want to share a bit of that right now. Hey everyone, it's Lance here. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm just here at the TELUS World of Science and I just completed this painting behind me, Amskichi Waskahigan. Beaver Hills house and you know I'm just filled with emotions today now that it's done and it's this piece is here it never it never escapes me how important these moments are these moments of representation having our voice our our beliefs, who we are, the core of our people represented in these public spaces is absolutely an honor. And, you know, so many years our people have been struggling to be recognized and to be heard. And, and I think it's just a beautiful thing what, what our city is doing. The city of Edmonton is pulling together for our people and finding ways to represent us in a good way, letting us speak for ourselves and talk about what's important, our values, our relationship to the earth, and our kinship with each other. And I'm just honored today and overwhelmed with emotion and thankful to be helping that. And I'm, I wanna just reach out to everyone out there and just share the moments and how I feel. And I hope all of us out there, all of you out there, are doing what you can to represent Indigenous people. Let's come together as a city and let's celebrate each other whatever way we can. This is a happy moment. It's done. Amskichi Waskahigan. Land acknowledgement here at Telus World of Science. So when oh. I listen and watch that clip, and I watch you in my screen, the word soul comes back in such a powerful way. Your whole presence is so authentically soulful, and I and I use that. I don't I don't want it to be soulful. I want it to be full of soul. <laughs> separate those words you're so totally and passionately present in that moment and vulnerable willing to share that with your world the city but beyond what's it like to hear that back well oh, i mean you know hearing that again reminded me of that day and that moment and i'm again filled with emotions you know it's not easy to float above what has been put as a foundation of who we are by the rest of the world. Sometimes the arms reach strongly to pull you down. And, um, you know, we're just barely floating as a people, you know, we're, we're, we're there on the, uh, just at the top of the water, hoping that the boats will come by and pull us out, roll with us to the shore. And hearing that again reminds me of why that's important. I, I you know, 
you know, it's it's growing up seeing so much pain towards our people, seeing how we're treated when we go into communities and, and how my mom was treated and how my grandmother was treated, you know, I, you know, I lived in a pretty uh, shielded way. I'm a very light skinned indigenous person, passable, as they call it sometimes, into the world of, of the white people. And so I had to hear both sides. I had to see both sides of that. And um, I think there's been a, 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 an awakening, and I hate to use the word woke or awakening because it's sort of overused, but I do like the idea of this waking up from the fog of um, what we think is, is how we view people. So, you know, I, I just think it's amazing to feel like maybe right now there's a pause and a listen and a look at us right in the eye and to say, okay, all right, you know, what do you, who are you? What do you have to say? We're gonna, we're ready to listen. And I think that's the difference that's happened and through the pandemic and a lot of reasons why that happened through the pandemic, that switch happened in a lot of parts of the world and a lot of places for us as human beings. And um, I think, you know, when I see that video and I hear that person talking, um, it's everyone. We all feel that way. And, you know, like I said, it's not a small moment. Just yesterday, you know, I had a meeting with the, uh, the people at the um, Remax Field, the new, the new sports, uh, the Riverhawks are, are starting a new, a new team. They've renovated the building. It's beautiful. And they want me to come in and create a new you know, mural right at the entrance of the space. And, you know, again, you know, that is iconic. These, it is not a small feat for these big organizations to give up power. And by power, I mean status. By, and by that, I mean presence, you know, non-Indigenous presence, dominating presence to say, okay, we want to do this. We don't know how. We want your beauty to show. We like how you're showing it. We like the beauty of what you're showing. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So you, so you like the beauty of our people, the spirit of who we are, which is something we've never been acknowledged for. We've acknowledged for our power regalia. We're acknowledged for our political positioning. We've been acknowledged for our, you know, various different things. And even, even traditionally, we've acknowledged for our way of living with the land. But beyond that now, because we lost so much during the pandemic, we lost so much, we lost status, we lost family, we lost connection that people want to see and like who we are as a spiritual people. Mm. That way of looking at the world, those seven valuable teachings of love, respect, wisdom, trust, you know, these beautiful ways of being, that's who we are. And then people say, okay, we want you to bring that energy. That's what we want to see. What a beautiful change. You know, like it, it, maybe 10 years ago, they would have said, can you do a, a mural of, you know, murdered and missing Indigenous women or the residential school uh, uh, reconciliation? That would have been the primary thought of what they wanted a mural to be about, thinking mm -hmm. that's who we are. And, and what you I'm need. I'm hoping with what I'm doing mm -hmm. uh, in the city, I'm trying to change that narrative forever. That the first mm -hmm. thing you think of when you want to have Indigenous people or content or engagement is because we like who you are, what you believe in, how you approach the world. We want to share that. We want to hear that. We want to bring that into who we are. And that's the and to learn from that. A lot of times, right? you know, non-Indigenous community would approach us and say, here's what we are. We want to bring you into who we are as mm -hmm. white people, as Westernized people. And that's going to be our connection. And the switch mm -hmm. I'm seeing, and I'm trying to help push harder, is now it's reversed. I'm an indigenous two-spirit artist. I present us in a good way. How can I bring who we are to you in an authentic way? And and uh, and you know, it, it not you know, to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, for example, when they approached me, phone call, you know, and I find that's what I get phone calls randomly. I, this is how it works. Creator knows when I'm supposed to get those phone calls. I trust the path I'm on. Um, and they phoned me and said, hi, we're a bunch of white guys. We have no idea what we're doing. We really want to celebrate <laughs> indigenous people and we don't want to do it wrong. 
what is that for real is yeah. that what is that happening you know that's that's amazing that would never have happened 10 years ago you know no one even have the the interest or the desire or or think that it was possible to invite someone indigenous to as an advisor to to bring authenticity yeah. to something like that and so i i love that and so yes i felt it all that day when that mural was completed and i thought thousands of people a week hundreds of thousands of people a year from all over the world will walk through and see what's important to us mm -hmm. wisdom from the elders learning from the land and the spirit that we have connected to the earth you know trusting the spirit of those those teachings in the sky and and, and acknowledging each other you know that is amazing yeah. and now you know um having a little five-year-old kid walk through there i had a, a, a beautiful family stopped by while I was painting a foster child, indigenous foster child, maybe five or six and a, a white family. And um, they were like, this is our daughter and she's indigenous and we're discovering her roots again. And I wanted her to come over and say hello to you and to show her that this is her, that she's being represented. And oh my gosh, that is it. This girl will see herself. She will now know that she's valuable and, and not just because of the content, but because of the positioning in that space, that is non-Indigenous value in some ways. That's, that's what is considered valuable. And so mm. I, I respect and honor that. The culture of, 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 of the Westernized people have a different sense of value. We have to honor and respect that. We can't say your values are different than ours. We value the land. We value the teachings. But sometimes Westernized values, you know, and that's just the way it is. It's, it's more about status. It's more about where things are, who has the power in that moment. And that's okay. We're all allowed to be different. But, um, you know, but for us, when we see a moment like that, we recognize the, the value that they're putting onto it, not based on our value, based on the value of the westernized way of thinking. I think that's a nice switch. And yeah. um, so that kid will now hopefully be able to walk there when she's an adult with her kids yeah and say, I was there that day it was painted. This is what made me think that I could be, uh, you know, the minister of finances here in Alberta, or, you know, uh, you know, the head of a corporation or whatever it is, or the, the owner of a traditional teaching lodge. And that's right. gonna be what triggers that child to be that person. That's the change I'm hoping will happen. Yeah. And that's what I think was missing the entire reconciliation movement. All that stuff was missing that one element. Why did you build us recreation centers? We don't have the, you know, the confidence to create teams and to support each other in a loving way because we don't have those abilities. Why didn't you give us money for healing centers and cultural centers and museums for ourselves to celebrate ourselves? You know, and, I, and I'm hoping this will switch that, um, you know, in a bigger way. But you know, again, I have to trust the path. But um, I just am hoping that my heart will will bring that forward in some way. Oh, well, okay. I'm not sure how it that, can. That, I think that was a long version of that it answer was a, of how I felt, was but, uh, you know, it was, it was a profound moment. So you talked a minute ago about, uh, this path you're on and, uh, and, uh, and I want to take it all the way back to the beginning and the pace at which this path is, is taking you. Uh, there, there's an incredible amount of, of, of dust at your heels as you race down that path. How have you caught up? With, with the the work you said that the phone just randomly rings i'm amazed we haven't been interrupted by the phone ringing off the hook because you are a busy man it it's going um you know as i sit here it, you know it's on mute but it keeps lighting up so people are calling all the time um but you know for me i love this pace my mom showed me this pace my mom was uh, a single mom raising us two kids by herself uh, we lived in poverty we, we we faced oppression we faced it all and my mom was a powerful, strong woman who fought for us and always succeeded and made everything happen for us. And what an amazing example. Uh, and my grandmother was the same way. She was resilient. She ran the community. She was the head of the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, organization. She led the community. She helped everybody every day. And, you know, so I had people in my life who showed me. My uncle was the first minister. My, 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 my you know, I, I have people in my life who showed me what it was like. But we've always been those kind of go-getter people, uh, energy beyond energy. Uh, and, and so I don't mind the pace. And, and in my opinion, you know, we don't have time anymore to be complacent. 
the time is gone, in my opinion, for us to sort of gently move towards reconciliation of ourselves. You know, our elders are passing away quite quickly. We lost a lot of knowledge keepers during COVID. And now we have an obligation, especially those of us who are powerful, who have energy, who have positivity, because not, not all of us have that. We have an obligation as those Indigenous people to fight hard, fast, get in there, make a change. Uh, and, and opportunity is knocking right now. There is, um, you know, in a lot of ways, yes, maybe it's a little bit trendy right now to engage with Indigenous people, to have these moments in their spaces and to bring culture forward in, in these ways. But this opportunity is up to us as Indigenous people, how we form this trend maybe, or how we make sure that we're teaching people now how to engage with us in a good way. What are our protocols in dealing with us as, as professionals? Well, how do we pay ourselves? How do we engage and begin a conversation about Indigenous people? We now have that luxury to say, here's how we do it. Here's what our protocols require. You know, I had a really funny conversation with someone, uh, not funny, but interesting. Uh, it was a consultation group and they had offices in uh, Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, Edmonton and Calgary. So we had a Zoom meeting uh, yesterday and um, part of the consultation question was, what do we pay elders when we engage with them? And that's, that, that's a controversial question in a lot of different ways. You know, do we pay elders? Is it about the work? Things like that. You know, for a lot of times they give us tobacco and, um, you know, or whatever it was and, that, and a blanket, you know, and, and that's, <laughs> you know, we're not talking 1800, we're talking like, you know, a couple years ago. Um, and, uh, and, and, but I, I said to them, you know, we, those are our executives. Those are our top level executives, year long experience, uh, lifelong experiences. I mean, yeah, yeah. so you pay them the same way you would pay your top level executive. You're going to bring the top uh, leader of Apple into your space and you want to have, you know, half an hour of Apple's time. Uh, the head executive of Apple who's run that all their life and know everything about it and you want their advice, you pay them the exact same way you pay that elder. Those are our knowledge keepers. They have everything about us, uh, knowledge about us. They're the people who hold it all. So you pay them the same way. So it's things like that. We, we are changing, you know, that conversation. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be a, a time when it, we're all in the same world that we we engage with each other in the ways that are are, are, are good for everybody we're moving towards it uh so yeah. hopefully that'll get there and where those questions don't need to be asked because the knowledge has been shared and we all share that's, it now exactly that's right that's the ultimate yeah. goal is to, is to have that happen and, and especially for our city i'm really hoping that eventually it isn't news that there's an indigenous mural or it isn't news that there's a collaboration with an, a first nations person that that is part of our city culture part of our city fabric and I want that to be the case. And people come to our city and come to Edmonton and they say, you know, that's an indigenous city. The, the people are celebrated there and the culture is interwoven into the design of the city and the spaces that, you know, that are, are reflective of that. And, and uh, you know, indigenous people are, are sitting beside, you know, the head of, of all these organizations because they're integrated so nicely. I don't know. I, I love that idea. We have our well, own journey, right? That's right. And Turtle Island is projected onto Hockey Night in Canada, and it isn't a it, it isn't a surprise. It's just it's just the beautiful thing that it is. Yeah, which it is. It's a beautiful. It thing. is. It totally it's a beautiful is. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lance, uh, I I love to I love to bring these questions these conversations uh, to 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 a close with a question that really I I think really brings it down to the personal. When Lance Cardinal on this earth is no longer here, but there are grandchildren of grandchildren down the line who are telling their children about Lance, what do you hope they'll say? What mm. mural do you hope they'll paint? You know, there's still that little boy in me who doesn't think anyone will remember me when I'm gone. There's that indigenous person in me who thinks that my work won't be important because through no fault of my own, you know, we've been trained to believe that. So I hope that 
my kid, my my grandkids, or my 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 you know the kids who come after me and talk about me when I'm gone, will say that he found himself, and he found his happiness and shared that with the world, um, and we felt him authentically, and we saw who he was in the end, you know. And I hope that they say, you know, that he helped me see myself and not be afraid of who I was. And I hope that's something that they say about me. So that's, that's probably what it is. Mm. I think. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for your time, for your life work, for your heart. It's, it's no been problem. a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. And to you, I, I really uh, thank you for taking time to listen and to share who I am. And, and uh, it's important. These conversations are very important. And so blessings to you, Greg, and may the creator watch over you as long as the sun shines, the grass grows and the river flows. Thank you. Thank you. In Lena McKenzie's words, she inherited a fabric of beliefs woven by generations of women, a fabric that tells stories of not just one family line, but a constellation of them. Her memories of the bond forged between her mother from the Philippines and her paternal grandmother from Minneapolis speak to a powerful wisdom co-created by a shared desire to embrace all there was to learn. After spending a decade performing around the world as a professional musical theater artist, soprano, and headline singer, Lena has found home on Salt Spring Island off the coast of Vancouver Island. Here she finds herself with the time and reflective space to return to her love of songwriting and recently released her first EP, Finding North, an ethereal reflection of her complex cultural background. In our conversation, Lena speaks of finding peace with the idea of home when home exists in many places. How she has found a true beauty as an artist in new beginnings and embracing the role of the amateur. And how she sees the creative process as a series of staircases. I hope you will join me for this final episode of our first season of Ellipses Thinking. Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dowler-Coltman and Greg Dowler-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.